0: Hi, hey, hello. Hello. Yeah. hello everybody and welcome! And welcome. Welcome! Welcome to another episode of The Last Ones in
1: Podcast. I'm your host today, Robbie, joined with E. Hello. And that's it. Yeah. Kinda uh, going a little bit more on the weird format again with this podcast.
0: Yep, yeah, just the dose. Dos amigos, just dos, <laughs> just dos.
1: Oh, just we're not friends. Just just two people sitting in a room.
0: Dos cuantitos. <laughs> <Laring.
1: laughs> um, yeah, Dry is not here. Yeah, uh, we're
0: trying a couple different things. Dry desperately needed a vacation. Yeah, so. he's been on every episode barring one, and even the barring one, he was there. He just wasn't on mic. Yeah, so mostly there for technical reasons. Yeah, so this is his first real vacation. Maybe this is a test, too, yeah. if he can trust us while he's gone. Oh, little does he know. Little does he know we're not audio-balancing shit. <laughs> <laughs> Since is not here, you know what that means, Ravi? What's that? Anime! Oh, boy. All the anime. <laughs> Jiraiya hates anime, so this is when we he can does. watch it. Uh, it.
1: I mean, to be fair, for the episodes you haven't been on, he's done that, too, with, like, movies that we weren't sure how it was going to deal with your anxiety, yeah. so we watched, like, Really like horrific horror movies. But yeah, uh, since Dry doesn't like anime, but both me and E rather enjoy anime, I decided to show E Princess Mononoke for the first time.
0: You know, the animeist movie ever. Like, there's so many anime tropes in Mononoke. Dry would have been rolling in his grave. I, well, the thing about it is Dry has
1: seen Princess Mononoke before, but it's been quite a long time. But I think, like, I feel like part of the reasons he's watched it is because I absolutely loved this movie growing up. Like mm. Because this movie came out whenever I was 10. Uh, fun fact about this movie, it originally it came, came out-, out when
0: you were 10. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it originally came out in 1997, which makes this like the 25th anniversary of this uh, movie this year. We planned that. Totally, <laughs> totally planned that. But uh, that also being said, it didn't premiere in America until 1999, whenever mm. Miramax bought the movie. But uh, yeah, that's whenever I watch it because my mom had movie channels. It showed up on stars all the time whenever I was growing up. And I absolutely adored this movie whenever I was younger. And in a weird way, like you said, there's a lot of anime tropes with this. Um, this movie didn't bring anime to America. But it definitely popularized it a lot, especially Studio Ghibli. Like it, yeah. it popularized them a bunch because like there was some hardcore fans in America for Studio Ghibli. This started to bring that studio more into the mainstream, at least to Western audiences.
0: Yeah, I would. This was during the period where you still saw a lot of fan subs and random VHS yeah. rips, where it's like someone pointed their <laughs> camera at the.
1: Ah, oh, that's actually one of those things I. It's at my mom's house at this point, but I actually have an old VHS of Dragon Ball Z. Oh, no. And uh, on it, it actually says, like, uh, please beware of pirated goods, On like, as one of the advertisements on it.
0: <laughs> on the pirated, probably. <laughs> I-, I hope it wasn't a pirated oh, okay. VHS. Uh, yeah, I definitely know a lot of that. I-, I luckily didn't have to deal with a whole lot. I was at, like, the... When I got into anime for the first time... Uh, I would say is just when it was, like, online fan subs were right. pretty popular. So I got some shitty translations, <laughs> obviously. Um, you know, that was the era of, all according to keikaku. <laughs> Translators? No, keikaku means plan. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> like, that shit, where yeah, it's that like, whole thing that why
1: a... didn't you just fucking write plan? <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, Princess Mononoke, okay, yeah. movie watch. I guess, fun fact about that with the localization of this is... Um, Originally, they actually wanted Quentin Tarantino to do the localization of this movie. What? Yeah, uh, because Miramax is the studio that brought this to America,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, so it was the Weinstein brothers who were like trying to get everybody to like localize it, which is why it has like such an A-listed cast for the English dub of this. And um, with that, uh, they went to Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino looked at the script and said. Yeah, I I don't know if I could do this. Like, I could recommend you someone who'd probably be better than me at this. And they got Neil Gaiman to actually do localization of this movie, which he did his best to like localize it in a way to where like he wasn't taking anything out of the actual movie. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple things like here and there where he had to kind of uh, make or you know fix this here and there because it just wouldn't translate quite as well to English audiences.
0: Yeah. Honestly, a translator is I would argue one of the hardest jobs. Oh, like local, any yeah. of the localization.
1: Localization is a super hard job, whether it's, like, Japanese to uh, English, or English to German, or whatever else, because, like, it's not a, so much even the language itself. It's, like, sentence structures, and, like, it t- took, you know, this much time to say this thing, and you have to say this many words within a matter of, like, four seconds.
0: Yeah, that's, like, I, uh, full disclosure, I usually do prefer subs overall, just because I tend to try to watch things in the original. Like, this, this isn't, like, oh, I'm a weeb. It's, any foreign media I try to watch in its original language because I feel like that's right. more the uh, acting the, inten- that... the intended way to watch it. Yeah, but like if I I should say because like it's kind of a gatekeepy thing to say like oh watch subs. Um, it's fine if you watch dubs. Yeah, I mean I'm the same way when it comes to that too. Like I'm I prefer subs because it's I feel
1: like you know you could get there's less loss in translation when you watch it that way. However, I also have friends who are dyslexic and so they have to watch it dubbed.
0: Yeah, like that that's the thing. But um. Yeah, like I guess a lot of that is like it's it's really hard to like localize something, especially like this cuz this is a Japanese ass movie. Oh yeah, this is and we'll get more into that too at that, but I guess before we get too much into this film, E. Yo. How have you been lately? Uh I I actually was on vacation. That's why I wasn't here last week. Okay. Um it was my brother's bachelor party. Oh, that I was that. All right. Um and that was a fun uh I was with uh Dry's wife as well. She was one of the bachelors. Sure, sure, we'll, we'll we'll go with that. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was a that was a lot of fun. It was in New Orleans. All right, that's a great city to be in for a weekend. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. I, I feel like that's most
1: places, though. Like most places are fun to go for a weekend, but it's like once you start to live there, you start to realize like all the crap. Oh uh, no!
0: Like not even like no. There's no fucking way you could live, especially where we are. Like there's sh- sh- trash and shit. We were like at the king's lane or whatever like the big two streets right um we like passed by a house that was like ten thousand dollars or like two thousand dollars to rent a room (laughs) jesus (laughs) yeah but like it was cool um i'm gonna say like new orleans the biggest thing to do there is go to bars and uh you know me not 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 much of a drinker not much of a drinker not my scene like it's they're very loud I did get to watch some jazz. Uh fun fact about me, uh jazz is my favorite genre of music. Okay. So like go to New Orleans, you know, the the land of jazz where jazz came from. It was it was fun to go and see a lot of that culture. And uh it's also the land of voodoo. Ooh. Uh so I, I was on a tour with uh Dry's wife and <laughs> it feels weird to say it like that. I, I mean we've said Liz's name on the uh, podcast yeah. before. Just like <laughs> like it feels weird to be like, yeah, I was with his wife. She, yeah.
1: Speaking of people who've been on the show before, Liz has been on a couple episodes. before. Yeah, like I don't uh, think it's a secret that they're married.
0: Yeah, uh, I was, me and Liz went on that tour. It was a lot of fun. It was like here's the most haunted places in New Orleans. It was like obviously touristy, but it was right, right. It was a lot of fun. We uh, learned about a bunch of slaves and stuff. We learned about like the first free slave. Uh, they were an executioner. Oh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, the Tour guide got harassed by some white dude at the end, like and he was like, It's ten thirty. <laughs> it's like shh, shh, it's New yeah, Orleans. Okay. <laughs> it's one of those so people just... like move to a place near a bar and then get mad at the bar
1: for being open past ten thirty when yeah. they're like,
0: I got work in the morning. Yeah, it's like why did you move why did you move here then, you fucking numb? <laughs> it was it was weird, but um <laughs> it was yeah. handled pretty like, he left. There wasn't much conflict. Yeah, I guess that's one way to deal with a
1: tour, a tour attraction is, like, you're going out looking at haunted places late at night. And then <laughs> the
0: biggest scare that you get is someone opening up their window going, it's 1030 no, at No, he, he walked past us on the street and started, talk, like, yelling at the tour guide to her face. Okay. like <laughs> And, like, I want to say we were not the only tour there. You know what? We were the only one. that We were the only tour that was run by a black tour guide. Oh, all the, so the other just... ones they didn't yell at, it was specifically ours. So it
1: may just be a fact of good old fashioned racism. I and... think,
0: I'm willing to bet it was oh. just racism gone, yeah, quite right, honestly. That seems pretty plausible. Yeah, and you know, it was a black dude and the, our tour, all the tourists with us were predominantly black. I, I, there's just a little, there's just chance. Yeah. There's a chance. There's a small, there's a small chance. chance. There's a small chances about racism. Yeah. Who's to say? <laughs>
1: Well, I'm glad that your overall experience in New Orleans was a pleasant one. At yeah, least, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm uh, sure the heat and humidity of this room, God. whenever we record, probably helped you when you
0: were down there. Genuinely, this is way better. Really, <laughs> there. So New Orleans is all right when it's like about to rain and there's no sun, but you fucking are constantly drenched because it's so fucking humid in New Orleans. <laughs> it's so just so much constantly that feeling you just got out of the shower. Yeah, I've I it I really felt like I needed a shower. Anytime I was there in New Orleans. Oh. So, like, you're constantly wet, but also it's so hot, so you're fucking sweating, too. <laughs> it's so, sweat like the... just, like, adds on to the dew that your body is yeah. just permitting. But, yeah. Uh, New Orleans, good food, good music, uh, good time, ultimately, All right. I would say. That was a lot of fun. Glad to spend some time with my brother and close friends. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty good vacation. <laughs> uh, honestly, on my end, not a
1: whole lot was going on, just mostly work and the usuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm currently just trying to figure out what game to pick up now since I recently uh, finished playing The Last of Us Part Two. Oh, you finished? Yes, I did finish it. That's good. Uh, me and Dry talked about it a little bit last week, uh, yeah. but since we're talking about whether we wanted like, you to try the series or not, like we didn't want to put too much spoilery stuff into the podcast, so... Well, don't worry about me.
0: (laughs) It's like a twenty-five percent chance I listen to any of our episodes. I guess I wasn't on that one, so it probably was a higher likelihood. I I think I'm kind of the same way
1: too. Like if I'm not on the episode, it's more likely that I'll listen to it. But yeah, um, Uh,
0: I, I, I would be really surprised if you guys said anything that I haven't already had spoiled to me from people's. And yeah, that's possible. People talk a lot about that game. You know, it's like it's so crazy that like over 200,000 people played that one, you know, and all had to leave a review. <laughs> it's crazy how many people played that video game that did not sell as many copies as people leaving reviews. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That sounds like a triple A game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a whole shebang on its own. That could be its own episode or side bit. If I play last of us. Yeah. But yeah, we, uh, like I said, I beat that game last week. Um, trying
1: to figure out like what to pick up now other than that like you know like how sometimes you have those weeks when you just get off work and you don't want to do anything and so like Mm -hmm. it's just like work and then a blur and then work and a blur so like yeah
0: for sure yeah
1: i kind of had an off week this week this is kind of like more or less the highlight of my weekend so far is trying to get all this (laughs) up and running since it's usually held on dryas shoulders but now it's on ours yeah yeah other than that i Not a whole lot to say for this week, for me at least, other than this. Uh, Just mostly preparing for this episode, which, speaking of this episode again, Princess Mononoke. Yeah, 1997. 1997's Princess Mononoke. It is two hours and 13 minutes long, minus the credits, uh, which I guess another little fun fact. At the time of making this, it was the fourth longest uh, animated movie ever made.
0: Huh! Generally surprises me.
1: Yeah. Uh, the longest at the time was like 168 minutes long. It's called The Final Yamoto. Uh, I don't think I've seen that one. It's supposed to be like, I haven't seen it either. Like, Sounds from rusty. what I read about it. Yeah. It, it's an older uh, kind of a mech anime oh. that they made. But uh, I guess the 70 millimeter version of that one was like 168 minutes long. It was, uh, and that held the record as the longest up until about 2019. Wow. But, anyways. This movie you can watch it on HBO Max if you have a su- subscription to that. Either that, or you can buy it from YouTube, Google Play, or Vudu for eleven ninety nine. So mm-hmm. I guess with it being Studio Ghibli, it's a little bit more of a premium thing. Like you can't yeah. just rent it for three bucks.
0: I'll say if you want to watch it on HBO Max, maybe do it now before Discovery fucks up more about HBO Max. Yeah, that's something that you're telling me about when we were watching this, <laughs> and I had an oh boy
1: moment. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. Um, yeah, and the rating. Uh, The
0: rating is PG-13 for images of violence and gore. And I'm going to say, that is a hard PG-13, similar to how Lord of the Rings is a very hard PG-13. I
1: I honestly think it got away with PG-13 because, A, it's animated, and, B, they don't cuss, really, in
0: this, which in the English dub of this, they do cuss every now and then. Really? Yeah. I feel like, I kind of don't think I like that, but at the same time, I don't know Japanese curses, so it's not (laughs) like I... Yeah. I mean, it's, well, it might have just been like a
1: weird Miramax thing, but we'll get into that the more yeah. we talk about this movie. But if anything, let's get into our discussion about Princess Mononoke after this break. I almost forgot about the break.
0: It's break time.
1: probably no secret that i'm the one who watched it considering earlier i was saying how this was like kind of a staple of my childhood with this movie Mm -hmm. uh so yeah e is the one who hadn't watched it which you know i think it's just kind of one of those like you could probably tell a decent amount about a person on like what studio ghibli movies they have and have not seen
0: yeah and uh like before i actively sought out to see a lot of the of movies and stuff uh it really was just totoro was my only ghibli movie i ever saw um and the fun fact about that, I had only no. Well, there's two. Mostly, it was Totoro that was shown to me in third grade. Uh, we did like a cultural thing, cultural fair, cultural appropriation, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, and like my class was Japan. Okay. And uh, they showed us Totoro and like talked a lot about like how the differences in Japanese and American movies are using Totoro as the reason because Totoro from P- Tense and purposes really doesn't have a plot, it just, it just kind is of the is the life of that kid, okay. Um, versus like they use Beauty and the Beast as this thing where it's like you can, there's like a three-act structure and the rising climax and all that, yeah. Um, so like they, uh, and honestly, I'm gonna say that class that like third grade teacher showing me Totoro probably kick-started my interest in anime and <laughs> Japanese culture, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so there was that. Then in high school, for Japanese class, uh, we watched Totoro again. Oh, boy. Uh, in like, we watched all that. I think in my third grade, we probably watched it dub, I'm going to assume, because, you know, uh, yeah, it was, probably. like, wheeled on in a CRT that's the size of, like, a <laughs> person's head.
1: Yeah, using those, like, little tiny speakers that are on the front of yeah. a CRT that they just
0: turned up way too loud, so everything is, like, too Static-y quiet, but, yeah, and, like... but super staticky at the same time. Yeah, so yeah, and then Japanese class we watched it again and like discussed more about like learning Japanese, obviously. Right. And then my brother got this collection of all the Ghibli movies, and the first one we watched together was Totoro. So I watched Totoro three times. <laughs> Each time, like I realized I didn't remember as much about that movie as I thought I did. <laughs> uh, I mean to be fair, like rewatching this movie, I realized
1: there's a bunch of parts that I for- had forgotten too. Because like I said, watch it all the time as a kid, and then had like
0: no way of getting my hands on this movie
1: until i was an adult yeah
0: but um that wasn't technically the only ghibli movie now i think about it because um i don't know why i specifically sought this one out because no one really cares or talks about this one uh i actually like uh totally legally found uh the cat returns okay um, have you seen The Cat Returns?
1: I have not. I I've heard of it cuz like I remember seeing it a handful of times and like looking at the animation of it was like that kind of seems like a Ghibli movie almost and, It was. Like, yeah. Yeah, but at the time I didn't realize it was. Um, it was that like I had seen cuz yeah, honestly Princess Mononoke was my introduction to Studio Ghibli mm-hmm. movies and um I had known about that one for a while and then like afterwards Spirited Away came out and yeah, I saw Spirited like, Away bits and pe- such
0: a beautiful yeah. movie.
1: I still need to watch it all. I've seen like bits and pieces oh, of that. Yeah, I know yeah. it takes place on a train, and I know that like there's like these weird demon spirit creatures in it. I don't know much else
0: about that movie. Oh man, we should <laughs> maybe next week we'll watch Spirit <laughs> Away* then. Hint, hint wink, wink. Yeah. Hint, uh... hint, wink, wink. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, but I, I think you kind of are right. Like what, like what Ghibli movies you like really attach to probably do right. really strongly define what kind of person you are. Uh, not to like get astrological or anything <laughs> on you guys. But, like, what, well, like, interests you definitely uh, yeah. can reflect in that. Like, obviously, it's because I watched Totoro three times. But I do actually really like Totoro as a Ghibli movie. And until I saw Spirited Away, like, it kind of was in, a like, one of my favorite movies right? anyways. Like, even – I know Dry hates when I, like, like stuff like this, even though it doesn't have, like, any real structure of a plot or, like, anything – uh, the movie itself isn't even clear on what's real or what's not. And I think it's just stuff that happens. Like, it's like, is this happening or is this all part of the kid's imagination? Like, stuff like that's really beautiful, though. Yeah. With uh, Back to Mononoke. Yeah, I didn't watch that one. I heard bits and pieces about it. I'm going to say people described it terribly to me. The most common thing I ever got is like people saying it's kind of like a Japanese Pocahontas. No, it's <laughs> not even close. I kind of get what they are getting what, yeah, at. I see what they're getting
1: at with that but I also disagree. It's like
0: nothing like Pocahontas though. Um but uh yeah, like watching this for the first time, this is a this is another one where like it kind of is more about what happens to this person rather than following a formal structured right. plot. Which I like about it. I think that's a very important and very like beautiful in a lot of the stuff it does and like morality-wise, what it's trying to get at is really interesting, for sure. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I I think this is honestly a really uh, great movie. Yeah. And then, as
1: I said earlier, this was more or less a staple of my childhood. Like, when this came out, like, the coolest thing that I had seen Japanese anime-wise was probably Dragon Ball Z, and then this came out, and it completely, like, blew everything else out of the water. Like, I watched it so many times, because, like, the animation style is just impeccably beautiful yeah in this movie the music is wonderful like it has a especially for watching it as a kid it does have a very complex and honestly dark storyline to it but it that's kind of also to its credit if you ask yeah. me and it like you said it doesn't exactly fall like the three-act structure and in some ways like there are a couple weird things that happen. Like, there's certain things that happen very slowly and other things that happen, if you ask me, too fast in this movie. Yeah. But that also happens in the sense of, like, you're making a movie and not a TV show, wherever Like, there's certain things that have to happen and you sometimes don't have time to let it breathe, and this kind of suffers from that. But all in all, like, this is still a
0: masterpiece of a movie, if you ask me. Yeah. But, um... Yeah. I guess... Yeah, uh With this movie, fairly... While it doesn't follow... a. Sh- formal structure it is fairly simple of like it is very similar to those kind of it's almost a samurai movie in a lot of ways almost but not quite uh like like it
1: like i was telling you earlier um hayao miyazaki yeah hayao miyazaki uh he very clearly did not want to have like a lot of samurai or like a lot of like authoritative presence in there he wanted to have more like peasantry and just like normal everyday people in this movie kind of like a normal person in an extraordinary situation would probably be one of the better ways to explain this movie without actually like explaining the plot.
0: Yeah. And I, I empathize kind of with Miyazaki and like not wanting to retell something that's been right. told to death. And I, especially in a, from an American perspective, perspective i think the samurai are kind of glorified more than they really should be they are
1: Uh, there are a lot of like romanticized and glorified things that happen in a lot of different structures whether it's cowboys or whether it's samurai or soldiers or whatever else
0: yeah like cowboys are kind of america's samurai in the same way yeah they are they're 100 they are yeah like now it's like oh man like gunslinging uh outlaw robin banks and uh, yeah woohoo yeehaw and Rather than the actual thing of it, it was a very looked down upon thing. Yeah, uh, not done by not done predominantly by white people unless you were poor. Something that they get wrong a lot. Uh, and like similar, like with the samurai, that was just kind of a job. Yeah, and even then, like being a samurai wasn't like the highest thing you could be. <laughs> no, it was def- It was almost mercenary
1: work. And mm-hmm. this movie looks at it like it's mercenary work.
0: Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah, with. Uh, movie uh you follow the prince yeah um ashitaka ashitaka yeah yeah. ashitaka is his name which
1: i guess another fun fact about this movie is the reason why they gave him the name ashitaka is because i guess his name means bright star ah are so kind of saying like even throughout like the darkness he's kind of like trying to brighten the path along with him which kind of makes sense with watching the cure because like
0: I guess if also you want to give this a structure, this is also very much a hero's journey. Yeah, tale. I think I mean like ultimately, unless you are actively trying to not go through a hero's journey, most of your movies are just going to end up being a yeah hero's journey. hero's journey. Is it's probably one of the easier
1: formats to tell a story with, and yeah. this is definitely in that sense more or less following
0: it. But yeah, because um, uh, what kickstarts really the whole movie is a giant. Boar made of bloodworms, blood worms, basically. More or less, yeah. Because like,
1: it starts like this very small village, and there's a man who's riding this giant elk, mm-hmm. uh, riding through and saying like, "Hey, like, there's something wrong. Like, the birds aren't chirping or anything. Like, it's too quiet out here. Like, something's wrong." Mm-hmm. And him telling these little girls who are telling him this, like, "Go back to the village. I'm gonna go talk to the old man in the watchtower and see what, or see if he saw anything." And goes up there and asks him, like, "Do you see anything?" He's like, "Something's in the forest." And, yeah, like, basically this giant worm creature that whenever it hits sunlight, you see that it's actually a giant boar covered in these, like, weird, crazy worms turning yeah, into, like, like, maggots, really. Almost, yeah. Like, well, there's that. But, like, later on when you see them closer up, too, if you pay attention, like, they're snapping at you like snakes almost. Yeah.
0: Well, like, that's the really interesting thing about the design is, like, from afar, they're very worm-like. Uh, When you get to look at them, they will, like, snap like snakes. But if you look at them... When they're appearing, they like come out of you, like your blood is coming out of you directly,
1: Like yeah, kind Which of. is
0: like the maggot, like so. Like it's very. It, I mean, uh, it's like serpenty in yeah. general. Very serpent. Of of very those. uh, very demon esque. Which they just yeah. straight up call this a demon, like a god yeah. demon. So um, yeah. The boar is trying to attack the village, but uh, Prince Ashitaka uh, subdues it. But in as he subdues it, he is hurt by the boar. Yeah, the and... worm creatures
1: that are coming out of it touches his arm while yeah. he's drawing his bow.
0: Which causes
1: him to be cursed. Yeah. Which leaves this very dark mark on him. And then the oracle of the village, which I think she's actually even just, in the English dub is just called the old lady. Like, they don't even call her an oracle. But, like, there's that. And, like, I'm pretty sure it went over some people's heads. Because I know as a kid it went over my head. Is, uh, you know, she's the she's the village oracle uh she puts holy water on the, his wound to try to heal it but it, it doesn't uh, the only thing it does is it keeps it from burning him further on because it uh whenever she first pours it on him it sizzles because it, it's burning him and leaves like this dark mark and she does like a divination spell which is like what she was doing with those rocks at the beginning yeah too, uh trying to divinate where the spore came from and why it attacked and everything and the only thing that they can tell is that it came from the west and that this steel ball, which broke its bone and tore its entrails, left it with ang- or left it with too much anger and hate, and it became a demon. Yeah. So it's uh,
0: which like that's a very Japanese kind of thing, where like you become a demon through like very strong emotions, often. Right. And
1: that's what they're saying is through it's hate because well that's another thing with the is that the oracle even says like asks it why I attack their village and says that we'll like, we'll, we'll create a shrine where you lay here. Uh, just please don't curse our village. Like we'll still worship you as a God. And he just says like, you will feel the same hatred and loathsome that I felt like that he, uh, right before he dies and mm-hmm. basically just turns to bones
0: right in front of her. Yeah. It just disintegrates. It's like very, it, it's one of those things. Like it's very detailed too. Oh, to yeah. the point of, I bet this would scar a lot of kids. Obviously, lesser that. kids than you, because you were... Lesser than me. You're so strong, you couldn't be scared by nothing. Oh, yeah, nothing scares me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I picked that up. Who knows, but, um, yeah, so, uh, unfortunately, this means that uh, the Prince Ashitaka will have to leave, kind of in shame. More or
1: less, yeah, because like, it's one of those... I think it's one of those things like the top knot that he has at the beginning of it shows that, like, they call him a prince, but I feel like it's almost like it's because he had a higher status in that village. It's hard to say because, like, as... Cause it almost seemed like the fact that he was as good as he is with the uh, bow and the fact that he had his own deer that he was riding and everything mm-hmm. uh, shows that he had, like, a higher status. Like, he was almost a warrior amongst pe- his people.
0: It's hard to and... say because I think it was, like, Emperor Prince still, though. Probably. So I don't know if. Like...
1: like, he was higher up. Like, he was yeah. basically, you know, he was. A light in this village. Like he was considered yeah. to be an important person. But and yeah, uh, by it, being he, cursed like this means that like they are because of their traditions, like they have to like he has to leave. He he can either stay in that village and die, uh being the person that he was before, or he could try to live by tr- trying to figure out what caused this infection with this boar and what's you know, what's causing this curse to eat away at him. Yeah. So but by leaving his village, that also means that he's disgraced by his village.
0: Yeah, so he has to cut off his bun, very symbolic in Samurai. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you so, even get, like, um, this, scene cause, or this scene where they say, like, uh, law forbids us from saying goodbye to you when you leave, and so yeah. he has to leave without saying goodbye to any of his loved ones. However, there's someone that he still cares about who gives him a little jeweled dagger and say, like, like, remember me and know that uh, when you carry this, I'm still with you in your heart.
0: But, this, yeah, he has to go on his own now. Uh, yeah. It's a lot of him kind of traveling throughout. He goes through a bunch of different areas until he kind of finds this village being attacked by samurai and which she is where you see some of the full extent of the curse being that he like the hatred almost consumes him in a way. Yeah. Like when he's just fighting, he can't hold back anymore. Like he shoots an arrow and it disarms, it's not yeah. like it removes his weapon. It removes the guy's arms yeah, when he's it, shot by it, and it-, it.
1: It's almost silly in the way that it happens because like this yeah. is kind of a brutal scene where he like, e had his first oh shit moment in <laughs> yeah, this movie because like expected. you see a samurai slice off a man's arm, like kick him to the ground and start stabbing him to death with a spear. Yeah. And then uh, there's another scene where like, another samurai, he's just attacking a woman who's trying to get away from him and the only thing saving her from this man attacking her is that he's trying to cut through the pack that's on her back. Yeah, and like, it is very brutal. Yeah, he he tries to shoot an arrow at this guy just to try to get him to stop. Like, he's not trying to hurt the guy. He's just trying to get him to stop attacking. But the hatred takes over in his arms so much that he actually, like, takes
0: the arms off of the guy when he shoots the arrow. Yeah, and in another case, when they're giving chase, he shoots one guy, and he just decapitates him. Yeah, Like, again, like, it's brutal in a lot of ways, but just kind of... So over the top, it goes to being silly, which I think might is kind of probably on purpose to like not make it as gruesome as yeah. it could be. I mean, in one way, it's gruesome, but with
1: it being overly gruesome, it's like okay, well, this is just comical now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he like. Uh, well, I was just going to say, like, an arrow doesn't exactly have the strength to either A, take off both of a man's arms, or B, take off a man's yeah. head that's wearing armor.
0: I think, theoretically, the strongest thi- thing an arrow would do is pierce right. entirely. And not, that, not that's exactly what it's meant else. to do. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, it's also kind of one of those things that just, like, you know, a bunch of samurai are like, hey, attack that guy! And then the guy starts, like, decapitating people. It's like, okay, leave that guy alone. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, what this ultimately ends up doing is, like, the village is safe, and... Uh, here's where we meet a pretty important character. The priest.
1: Yeah. Uh, Ashitaka goes into town and mm-hmm. he tries to buy some rice, but he doesn't have any of the currency of the village. So he just tries to give her like a little gold piece, which I think even by nowadays standards, if I walked into a store and like, Hey, can I get a pizza? And I just put like a piece of pure gold on the table. They wouldn't question it. They just like take the gold and give me the pizza.
0: I don't know. I feel like I would just take the gold and then be like, get out of my store. You need money. <laughs> What are they gonna do about it? I mean, I'm pretty sure you can still call the cops and be like, Hey, they
1: stole my gold. I'd be like, He 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 gave it to me. No shoes, no, no shirt, price, and- no
0: service, dude. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, uh Joko or uh, Jokobo is the man's uh, is the priest's name. Uh, but who, uh, whenever he tries buying this rice, they're like, Hey, this isn't currency and he's like, Yeah, this is pure gold. Like if you want, I'll give you money for the or, yeah, for the rice and then uh, I'll I'll keep the gold if you want to do it that way and then asks if there's like anyone who could you know, say like, "Hey, how much is this gold worth?" And then like starts t- like gathers a crowd around yeah. him, saying like, "This piece of gold right here is worth three times what this bag of rice is." And like, uh Aritashi, Akatashi, uh, I'm forgetting names already. Ashitaka, Ashitaka, is um just trying to like like he's not trying to make a big deal out of
0: all this, no, like, he so he just, just walks away. Yeah, uh, I mean, like it's one of those things. The very the most important thing you can have a character is do something to show their who they are. So like, yeah. It, it shows that ashitaka, ashitaka is not is honestly a little humble yeah. ultimately not very doesn't really take much value in his status especially now obviously he right. doesn't have anything. since he's kind of a
1: dishonored uh, status and and he's also a stranger in a strange land at yeah. this point constantly hides his face as well yeah and uh, but it also kind of shows like what's going on with like that village too, because like as soon as she realizes that there's wor- more work to that, though, she like snatches the gold. Yeah, from she's the like, "That's fine, actually." <laughs> yeah, like, "Hey, give me back my gold."
0: Yeah, but um, so then you get a scene with Ashitaka. The priest caught up to him and is kind of like talking to him about a lot of stuff. It kind of gives him some direction of where he could go, but yeah. uh, it kind
1: of also tells you about the world that he's going into, also, because he keeps yeah. on talking about how you know the world is just full of war and dying and famine and how like everything's just kind of he's like you're cursed like this whole world is cursed yeah
0: one of those kinds of it's one of those kinds of stories yeah uh, ultimately which is good and fits what it's telling but um it's a lot more of ashitaka kind of going places until uh well the priest actually tells him uh because like he shows him the
1: iron ball that was found inside the boar and says like hey do you recognize this and he's like oh well there's this place that makes iron uh, far to the west, and they say that it's considered to be yeah. <laughs> not sacred lands, but uh, desecrated lands. Like no, one, like chance, like chances are, if you go there, you're not going to come back alive.
0: Yeah, I I would like to note during the scene they're like eating. He picks up the iron ball with his chopsticks, looks at it, gives it back, and then immediately starts eating with the iron <laughs> with the same chopsticks.
1: Yeah, that giant boar that had worms coming out of it and, <laughs> uh, basically did this to my arm. Like, he's gonna, or uh, he was, or uh, we found this inside. Yeah, they're like afterwards. this was like, was uh, like let uh, me j- touch it with my eating utensil and then go <laughs> back to eating with this cursed yeah. object that I just touched.
0: You know, he's not gonna have an iron deficiency.
1: <laughs> Fair.
0: <laughs> But yeah, so Ashitaka kind of goes to that ironworks village. Uh, along the way, we see a scene of them, of a bunch of people kind of bringing back uh, rice. Yeah,
1: they're uh, bringing back supplies to the village. Uh, a lot of oxen drivers, uh, along with some guards that are holding kind of like these weird stems that have. Oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, uh, kind of like a cloth a over the front of it. Well, it's a cannon, but yeah, like they almost look like walking sticks, but they have like that cloth over the front of it. Yeah, and you find out the reason why. Well, actually, no, I guess it's paper because they start ripping it up whenever the attack happens.
0: Yeah. Um. But yeah, they're this. They're attacked by wolves. And during this, you see the use of gunpowder in this movie. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Kind of gives a general idea of when this movie would take place. Yeah, because these are basically cannons on sticks. Yeah. Uh, they call them Chinese muskets in particular, which is uh, probably representative wherever they got them. Yeah. Uh,
1: which, and yeah, doing that makes
0: you want to look up like early Chinese muskets <laughs> to see <laughs> yeah. what it actually
1: if that's accurate or not but yeah
0: go ahead um doing that like they're attacked by wolves they drive the wolves off but have lost some of their oxen as well as a couple of the villagers but those villagers fell down into a river which happens to be where Ashitaka has been traveling and Ashitaka finds these like hurt villagers and kind of brings them out of the river and uh this is where you meet the titular princess mononoke yeah. Uh one of Where the wolves has gotten shot by the by one of the
1: uh muskets. Chinese muskets yeah. which actually looking at some of these early uh pictures of them they actually are somewhat accurate. I guess some of the oh. earliest ones uh the barrels were just made out of bamboo and oh, they just yeah. like wrapped a rope around it. Makes sense. Yeah. Which you know that would only get you so far, but I'm sure, like, with early muskets, you didn't have to fire it a whole lot.
0: No, I'm, I mean, I feel like if you just show off that at the early stages, they, the enemy would probably leave. Yeah. Well,
1: it, it kind of goes along with, like, that old, um, I know, like, whenever white people first brought guns to America, and a lot of Indians saw that, they didn't know what they were looking at. They just knew that the white men were carrying sticks, and uh, if they pointed the stick at you and the end exploded, you would die. Mm. and they didn't understand why they just know that it meant death yeah which i'm pretty sure that was probably the same thing with like a lot of the early chinese muskets whenever they were being attacked by their enemies
0: yeah um so yeah once again though this is a very important like character showcase of ashitaka go out of his way to just help somebody to, someone yeah, to try to help someone met but um yeah you meet princess mononoke right
1: here which she's not saying anything she kind of tries to like She's almost like trying to suck poison out of a wound, yeah, with that. it's weird. <laughs> um, it kind of makes sense in the context of like you know that boar that got shot earlier and turned into a demon, like maybe yeah. she's trying because they don't fully understand what it is. they just know that like you know uh, whatever they're shooting out of those muskets is poison to uh, the ancient gods, basically yeah. honestly, basically what you were describing about the Native Americans in a lot of ways, yeah, but yeah, it kind of um, almost like a symbolic nature of her trying to like suck poison out of a wound. With that, because like she's uh, sucking on the wound of it, trying to, and like spitting out blood whenever he first sees her. I
0: want to say in this scene, um, I don't know if it's our version we specifically are watching, if it's Jiraiya's TV, or if it just looked like this, but like it really looks like they digitally altered the blood that was on Mononoke's face to be like a lot brighter.
1: (laughs) Okay, so the sources that I found said that this was the last movie to actually use like the um, cells. Yeah, the plastic cells. It, which I don't know if I believe that, but it, it is possible. It probably... It could just be a way of like that, the or the way that they drew the cells, like they probably had a cell of Princess Mononoke standing there and then another cell on top of it with the blood.
0: Yeah. It's hard to say. And like, it this is why I think it might be as TV. It might not just be noticeable on lesser yeah fidelity. Yeah. Like yeah. On a CRT,
1: because I definitely yeah. didn't <laughs> notice it back whenever I was watching the sold on an old CRT TV back in the early 2000s. Uh, it also didn't really like whenever I rewatched this movie to like, you know, find information about it and everything. It didn't really seem that big of a deal on my computer monitor, but yeah.
0: But um, this all Maranoke does is just kind of tell Ashitaka to leave. And Ashitaka takes the well, injured men and yeah, she
1: doesn't even tell him to leave. They just kind of see him standing there and he tries to say, he tries to tell him, I'm looking for the deer god. Because that is another thing that he got from Jokuro is uh the fact that, you know, that are uh, the area of. Uh, old ancient animal gods if you will Mm -hmm. which a lot of the gods in this actually go back to um like the shinto religions in japanese which once again is very much a japanese culture thing but i never really questioned that much as a kid it's like okay they're animal gods like don't overthink it yeah Mm uh
0: but yeah and uh ashitaka takes the injured uh men and you meet these little, like, four sprites. Yeah. They're really... I love their design. Like, they're, they they kind of look very, like, infantile. But, like, the the coolest thing about them is they kind of have these mask-looking face that kind of rotate like a toy almost. Almost, a- and yeah. And make this, like, really interesting, like, jingling noise. If you play Zelda and you've seen, like, the Koroks, very uh, similar to those, even, like, sound-wise. But yeah, so yeah, the
1: kodama or the tree spirits is what they're called. Which I guess in Japanese culture they just kind of look like trees, but like you know I guess more spirit like. But because you know he kind of wanted to play their own little part in this, he kind of redesigned them in his own little way, which kind of makes them almost like these like little children of the forest almost. Yeah, and they kind of act that way too because like the way that they like look at everything and kind of uh imitate uh, imitate the humans and everything like that kind of seems almost like a child like seeing something for the first time and being curious
0: yeah I definitely think that's deliberate but um he uh, Ashitaka goes through the forest you can see a lot of hesitation on one of the injured men yeah he uh, he gets scared by them and he keeps on saying like oh like this
1: isn't a big deal this just shows that the forest is healthy
0: yeah whereas the injured man's like this means death they're leading us to death we need to go back can we just (laughs) cross the river and uh, he's just like, nope, tide's too strong. I can't carry two injured men by myself across the river. Yeah, but um, they ultimately go through the forest. You, like, Ashitaka sees kind of a vision of something. Yeah, uh, what
1: they do is they... I, I guess it doesn't really seem that way at the beginning of the movie, but they're p- passing through basically, like, the main lands of the forest gods. Yeah. And uh, whenever he's getting water for the men to uh try... Like, you know, while they're taking a break, uh, he's basically at that island that you see later on. And he's like in that area and he gets a glimpse of the deer God mm-hmm. around that time. And his arm starts to act up because he sees the deer God. And the only thing he can do to really think, the only thing he can think of to do to like quell it is to like put it in the water for a little while, but
0: yeah. But ultimately they get through and you find a town. I'm just going to call it Ironwork town. I know it has a name. It's just know. iron town. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's the iron town. And uh, during this, you meet the empress of this town. Yeah, I not so much the empress. Uh, I guess just the leader. Yeah, because um,
1: yeah, I don't. It's one of those. She doesn't exactly have like a huge title. It's just Lady Iaboshi.
0: Yeah, Lady Iboshi. Uh, which you know,
1: it's a noble name. It's not a royal name, but a noble one. Yeah.
0: Uh, and you kind of you learn a little bit about this town, which is a lot of really interesting stuff. Uh, there, this town is very. Uh, women focus you learn that lady eboshi actually buys women who are in the slave uh trade and frees them freeze them into this town and they kind of just do work as a kind of thank you to eboshi yeah and in a way like the women kind of are running this town rather than the men which right. obviously sexism you would expect yada yada but yeah
1: and a lot of that too as a director he wanted to give women like empowerment in a way that you just would not see during that time. And yeah. that's why Lady Eboshi is the leader of that town. And that's why, you know, it's the women who do all the hard work there while the men just like drive the oxen and go back and forth to, you know, get or go back and forth to town to sell the iron and bring back food and everything like that. And yeah. It's, it's and kind of, it, it's a hardworking town. It's almost like early industrial is what it feels like. And mm-hmm. I think it's very much meant to feel like early industrial too, considering the entire town is basically just a giant iron Smith or Smithy.
0: Yeah. Uh, other things... Iron Forge? Whatever. Forge, I guess. (laughs) Iron Makers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Iron. Uh, other stuff you kind of learn. Uh, one of the big things, Lady Iboshi kind of takes, uh, Ashitaka to her kind of private garden type dealio. Yeah. Where she shows off the guns that are being made, uh, kind of like the Mach 2 of the musket.
1: Yeah, because what they have are, like, early designs, like a set of Chinese muskets, and she's trying to create... Uh, smaller, lighter, but same amount of power design of them to Mm -hmm. help try to fight out the forest spirits. Also, during this time, Ashitaka finds out through the townsfolk that the boar that attacked his village originally came from that area. Yeah. And the boars basically, uh, they protected the forest around there, but in order for them to keep making iron and making money to keep the town going and everything like that, they had to stop taking... Basically iron like they say that they make uh iron out of sand, which if you know anything about foraging, that's not how it works. No. But I mean um, I guess
0: they're like just simple villagers, so maybe right. to them that's like the understanding of it. But yeah, uh so like, yeah, Nago, the, the name of that specific boar. Yeah, the
1: uh boar god was Nago, which he just uh they said at the early at the beginning of it because like the villagers didn't know who was attacking them, they just mm-hmm. knew it was an unknown boar god. Because if it's a giant or if it's a giant animal, then it's uh basically within god status of the animal or the animal kingdom and also within Shoto religions. Because yeah. I guess there's thousands of gods for, you know, there's like there's gods for the trees and gods for the water, and gods yeah. for the sand, and gods for the sun and so. Most on and so Japanese forth.
0: religions have multiple right. gods. Yeah.
1: yeah, especially when it comes to the Shoto religions. And uh that's kind of what this movie is representing with that too. And basically they killed the god of that forest, or one of the gods of that forest to that way they could uh deforest the area to get more sand to get or to make more iron
0: yeah um and an interesting again really tells a lot about uh ashitaka is like his uh arm consumes with hatred and is trying to pull a sword on lady Iboshi, but he prevents himself yeah because she straight up says
1: like i'm the one who killed uh nagat i'm the one who shot the yeah iron pellet yeah so like that's my iron pellet if anything he should have cursed me but it happened to you instead i'm sorry yeah i and like you can tell it's like she does feel bad for him but she's just kind of like you know my bad kind of thing like it, yeah shit happens
0: it's like it's what does to Iboshi. it's just kind of that's the way it is like yeah. she needs the land so she had to fight the animals but so to her that's all that was there yeah and that's the thing is like because it's not like she uh it's like a whole like rich
1: community or anything like that. Like they're just trying to make ends meet yeah. at this point. And like, uh, it's one of those, the men of the village also did talk about the fact that, uh, she's the only person who could like other people had tried to take over this land to, you know, for the, or uh, for the rich iron sand that they have there. And, uh, because of the boar God that was there, no one else was able to do it until she brought her muskets with her. And she was the first one to be able to, make the land worth something and build that town and everything. And so, like, she's a very hardworking woman that did what she had to to build this village, and she brought in the people that she could to help her with it, whether, you know, it's ex-slaves or people who were abandoned from other villages and everything like that, too, to help make a life outside of that. Because, like, she – they even say to her, too, like about her, too, is that she doesn't care about status or whether you're diseased or cursed or anything like that. None of that bugs her. What matters is, like, whether or not you can work and yeah. even with like her secret place uh they it's almost like a throwaway line but it, it it sounds like the way that they're talking about it uh the same curse that um uh, Ashitaka has in this uh everyone else who was like in secret making those muskets also have that disease and all of them are also dying but she didn't want to you know just leave them to die so she put them in her to her secret place that no one else is allowed to go into
0: mm-hmm. so
1: that way no one would try to like you know kick them out of the village or anything like that
0: yeah it's one of those things that's, like, very important for the story is Lady Eboshi isn't just inherently a terrible person. Right. Like, I think that's one of the things that makes this movie so complicated
1: is there's not exactly antagonists and protagonists. Yeah. It's just people trying to survive in a brutal world. Yeah. It's, you know, whether it's it's that, and it's also man versus nature in a lot of ways, too, which he's saying, like, honestly, even by today's standards, is still very much a thing that's going on is man yeah. versus nature with – You know, everything else that's been going on, whether it's deforestations or global warming or the polar ice caps melting or whatever else. And Mm -hmm. it's through men doing things just trying to survive and make, you know, make it to the next day and the nature trying to fight back and back and forth. And there's not exactly a good or bad side. It's just, you know, people fighting to survive in a weird way.
0: Yeah. So, like, it's, I think inherently the reason to do that is to give Ashitaka the reason that he won't just, like, kill her right there, then and there. Right. Like, I think that's very important for the story, because I mean, if she was just an awful person, then the audience would be like, well, just kill her. I mean, even with that, though, like, Ashitaka's not exactly, he's not a
1: murderer either. No. Even, <laughs> Other like, than the, he like, has four people two, he's killed. Well, he's killed two people at this point, <laughs> and the two people that he killed were actively trying to kill him at that time, and uh, both of them, like, he wasn't even trying to kill them, he was just trying to defend himself, and then realize that his curse overtook him and did way more damage than he expected and yeah. he laments about that afterwards to the priest saying like you know i killed two men he's like yeah but you saved me in the process with that so like don't think about it too hard but this is still something that bugs him because he's not trying to hurt anybody he's just trying to you know he he's trying to survive for another day kind of thing and yeah he even says around that time whenever his right arm goes for his sword that Maybe if
0: I were to kill you right now, it would lift the curse, but that wouldn't help anybody, would it? Yeah. So it's a lot of that. Um, around this time too, Princess Mononoke actually goes for an attack on the village. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like a fairly standard Ghibli esque kind of uh, attack scene. I would like fight scene. I would say very like all around kind of camera going. At yeah. nutty angles, following a person running at insane top speeds, insane top speeds, and doing jumps that a normal human being just could yeah. not do. But she's a wolf girl. Yeah, like she was. She's from the forest, ultimately, right?
1: Which is, is actually whenever you find out that she's known as, or to the village people, as Princess Mononoke.
0: Yeah, I I feel like that probably does translate to like Wolf Princess or something. Oh, um, so I'm not fluent in Japanese. Yeah, I'll say that much. Neither of us. Uh, are. I did look it up. Uh,
1: to see like what Princess Mononoke is, and uh, like it, it's always been Princess Mononoke. One of them says that it's uh, Mononoke means ventral spirit in one of the sources that I saw, but uh, ventral spirit does make sense for that to be her name. But there's an uh, another source that says that it's almost like an unknown spirit is uh, what Mononoke means, and I'm not because like both make sense because like because she's you know. She's a human, but she's also a wolf, means that she's something in between. She's neither animal nor human, so she's some unknown. Yeah. But yeah. also her being a vengeful spirit for the
0: or for the forest also makes sense. It is like really interesting too that she like she herself doesn't view herself as the Princess Mononoke, though.
1: Yeah. Which and, she they don't call her Princess Mononoke. No, the only person who does is the village.
0: Yeah, is the village. Uh and she her actual a, name is Sans. Yeah. There's uh, which, like a kind of throwaway line from Lady Iboshi too, who talk about like the curses, like uh, maybe if we destroy the forest, your curse will be lifted and maybe Princess Mononoke can go back to being human. Yeah. Like just a little line about that. Again, like showing kind of a lot of the viewpoints of Lady Eboshi, even if you don't inherently agree with them, obviously. right.
1: But that's the thing is like it's that's how she sees it through her point of view. Like she yeah. doesn't communicate with the forest. She's just trying to make this iron uh, for- forge work.
0: Yeah. As well as she doesn't think mononoke is the forest she thinks she's like a human trapped in there
1: yeah like the human like the forest uh trapped her to, to do their bidding kind of thing which they even say like are you a spy for the forest or a spy for the samurai whenever he first comes into the village which he's neither mm-hmm. but it shows that like you know because they're constantly being attacked on all fronts from all these different people and like for this or that they just automatically uh think
0: you know be careful of this outsider almost yeah but um as mononoke is attacking everything uh, she kind of falls into a trap set up by the village, where uh, they get her to go t- come down to fight Lady Iboshi and try to shoot Mononoke down right there. Right. But uh, Ashitaka gets in the way ultimately, which gives Mononoke enough time to get back up and actually go to fight Iboshi, which another like very Ghibli esque fight. I feel like Ghibli doesn't do a lot of sword fights. I think this is actually the first time he's done a
1: sword fight in a movie. Yeah. Because, uh, like I said, this is almost a turning point for him and when it came to movie making. Because before this, he was known for, like, Kiki's Delivery Service in, yeah, uh, and... Yeah, uh, Rocco. Porco, yeah. Porco? Rocco? yeah, uh, to... Rocco or something like that? I-, I know the one you're talking about. I can't remember exactly what it's called. <laughs> like, that movie.
0: And then the one that came out right before this was... Uh, Porco Rosso was the 92 ghibli movie with the flying pigs n-a-u-s-i-c-a-a n-a-u-s-i-c-a-a nausicaa i think Na-na-nazica, it's nausicaa at the valley of the wind yeah yeah because
1: that one came out earlier too and like that was one of the uh another movie that came out with an english dub too that didn't do very well in america i guess
0: i don't even i never think about that because like when you think of ghibli you usually do think of their like second half works like yeah the spirit away the House Moving Castles; these very big, bombastic things. Right. You kind of forget a lot of their initial works were very down to earth, like Kiki's Delivery Service, being a very like simple plot about uh, a witch girl kind of delivering letters and losing kind of the spirit, kind of a metaphor for motivation itself. Right. And, and then you like compare that to all the like the magic and whimsy of stuff after that. Even this movie, a uh, huge step. Like oh yeah, like saying.
1: I said, this movie in a weird way was a big uh changing step, which we'll get to once we get to like more later yeah, thoughts yeah. of this. But like this one was uh they
0: literally called this movie an end of an era yeah, when it I came to Studio fair. Ghibli. Uh but yeah, so the Lady Abosca and or Lady Ibori and uh Eboshi. yeah, Lady Oboshi and uh, San. I'll probably call her because yeah. I think the movie yeah. calls her that more yeah, than that's Mononoke. Her, uh,
1: they only at this very beginning part they call her Princess Mononoke, but because it just means like either unknown or vengeful spirit, like they call her by what her actual name is, which uh, the wolves named her San. Yeah, which uh, the funny thing is, is that just translates to three. Yeah, because uh, it makes sense. Be, yeah, <laughs> uh, because uh, which makes sense because she's the third daughter of this
0: uh, of this uh, wolf spirit. Yeah, uh, for the Mono tribe, but uh. This is like a really, you see like almost the full extent of the curse on Aka, Ashitaka, Ashitaka. Um, where like the villagers, because he's trying to stop this and like the head samurai, I guess, the head yeah, guard, the, the, is the tr- main bodyguard of Lady yeah. Eboshi. It's a hilarious scene where like he draws his sword and Ashitaka just bends it
1: yeah <laughs> in a circle. And says, "Get out of my way!" Yeah, basically. and like
0: starts like throwing everyone out of the way. Yeah, because like uh, the funny thing about this fight
1: between uh, San and Lady Eboshi is like there's a crowd of people around her, and like they're uh-huh. all pointing daggers at her. So, like, which makes sense. That's yeah, ca- you kind yeah, of trying to. So yeah, her they're in. basically in a fighting pit. Basically, this crowd that's surrounding them, cheering yeah. for Lady Eboshi to kill this. Um, our dad to kill this wolf girl, and then you just see bodies flying behind him. Where yeah. he's like, "Just get out of my way, out of my way!" And like, yeah, and then the, so... there's so much anger going through him at this point in time that like uh, the curse is actually like the worms are starting to like roil around on his arm in almost spirit form.
0: Yeah, and like he just stops them both in like one fell like grab. Yeah, uh, and Lady Ivoshi Ivoshi? Evo- <laughs> yeah, right? Boshi. Uh, is like, what are you doing? You're siding with him. He's like, I'm not siding with anyone yeah
1: and that's the thing though is because like you can tell how like divide like it's one of those things like it's almost like he's a fence sitter and any move he makes he's citing for one or the other Mm -hmm. and so like any move that he makes he's like oh you're a spy oh you're
0: with them oh no you're with them and yeah
1: back and forth back and forth and
0: one of the funniest things in this movie is like they're both being held and (laughs) ashitaka just fucking (laughs) hits both of them in the stomach and knocks them out which probably which definitely yeah that's
1: definitely not how it works I've had the wind knocked out of me so many times in my life and it never knocked me out yeah
0: like, is that like I mean like I wonder how that trope even started because like obviously, no clearly idea. it's like not like an American trope right like if a 99 film from Japan is also well not that Japan wasn't influenced a lot by American media but like right like where did this start I don't know I've never seen someone punched in the stomach and then knocked out cold yeah like there's it, just so much, um, but yeah, at, he lets gives Iboshi back to the villagers and like hoists uh San over his shoulder and like just kind of starts walking out of the village at this time, someone shoots him. Yeah, which it's also by accident, too, because, yeah. like... Well, semi-accident, she was aiming at she him. She was
1: aiming at him, but she, you can tell by the way that she was holding it, which also goes to show how well the animation's done, is, like, she doesn't want to shoot him, but mm-hmm. she's she's giving him an empty threat, basically.
0: Yeah, she's like, what, are you on their side? And he's yeah. like, ow. Oh.
1: Like, if you leave with her, I'm going to shoot you. And then he just, like, looks at her and walks away. And then, like, one of them is trying to, like, tell her to put her gun down, but she's so shaken by this entire experience that as soon as someone tells her to stop, she accidentally pulls the trigger. Yeah. Which I could totally see happening because, like... Yeah, so, like, Ashitaka
0: gets shot through his stomach. Yeah. Or, like... Through his chest, really. I'd say, like, at the bottom of his ribs, basically. Yeah. And, like, unfazed, just keeps walking and he's just bleeding out insanely. Yeah. Like,
1: it's a hugely bloody scene for this. And, like, it's just kind of like this how is he still on his feet moments because you basically had a mini cannonball go through your, or through your core
0: and you're still walking away. Yeah. So like he, uh, lifts the gate that requires 10 men on his own. Again, another thing I want to praise the animation for, you could see like him, his like slight struggle in his arm. Yeah. Like, like it's just shaking ever so slightly. Yeah, he's Like it's really it. impressive. Um, so yeah, there's that. And, uh, he leaves with Mononoke as they're going, uh, Eventually, uh, Son wakes up, and this is well past. He's he's out of adrenaline at this point. He just
1: falls off. Because, yeah, because they're riding his uh, deer, Yuko? Yuko, yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, he ends up falling off because, yeah, he's just bleeding out at this point. So, whenever she wakes up, that's whenever he basically passes out. But Mm -hmm. since they have two giant wolves following them, as soon as he falls off, one of the wolves tries immediately to eat him. (laughs) It's really funny. She's like, wait, wait, hang on. Hang on a sec. Uh, it, it's kind of brutal
0: when you think about it. Though, yeah, too, the is like, just gonna just Chombo just head grabs off. his head and starts shaking violently. Yeah. Uh but she's like, Why did you save me? I you're dumb because you're trying to die when yeah. I'm re- willing to die for my cause. And he's yeah. just like, uh I don't know. Yeah, he just I didn't want you to die. Like he's very
1: much He doesn't have anything to gain from either side of these. Like he's mm-hmm. very much in the middle. He's trying to get Man and nature to agree on something, to stop yeah. fighting, cause like he, he from the outsider looking in, because at the beginning of this movie, they told him, Go to the West, make your judgment with eyes unclouded. So don't take sides, be neutral on all this. Like look at it for what it is. Don't don't take a side for this. And so that's what he's been doing this whole time is he's not taking a side. He's looking at all this at, at eyes unclouded. And he, he didn't see one side fighting for a cause or, or the other, which both of them kept on making their points to him throughout the or up until this point saying, yeah. you know, like, I have a cause and this is what I'm fighting for. And he doesn't see that. He just sees death and destruction that's surrounding him. And he's doing his best to stop it, but he's only just one person inside of this giant war.
0: Yeah. Um. Most of what you learn, uh, you learn that the apes in this forest are tasked with just replanting the trees constantly, but the uh, village keeps shooting them out. So the apes want to eat Ashitaka
1: because <laughs> they feel like they'll gain his strength or eat of his flesh. And they're just like, yeah, it doesn't work that way.
0: Leave him alone. Yeah. Uh, Mononoke is like holding him at death point when he's going to die. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, she's I, I just trying just, to threatening. Yeah.
1: She's trying to threaten him and she's just being angry at this point, which is yeah. why she's because like he's making his point, and She's making her point. And like she puts the, his sword to his throat saying, like, maybe if I slit your throat, you'll shut up finally kind of thing. Yeah, and then that's whenever he can, like, "Hey, you're actually kind of beautiful," and like
0: she, she's taken back by a dying man telling her that. Yeah, I want to say I always say this every single movie we watch. I don't feel any chemistry between these two to like warrant kind of stuff like this. I'll be honest; it is a little bit shoehorned horned in on this. Yeah, one. Yeah, like I don't know. He's like he's he's toting past his neutrality if he's gonna try to fall in love with the wolf girl. I'm gonna say <laughs> no. Um, it's just like there's not really anything here it ultimately doesn't amount to much luckily like i, yeah, I feel it, it's like... most it kind of shows nature's side a little
1: bit but it's mostly showing about how like there's even fights amongst nature itself between like the apes and
0: the or the ape tribes and yeah. the wolf tribes well just like it feels like to me there was some like head saying like it felt weird that uh son cared about him much and like to to try to solve that they put in like a half-baked Romance to like oh kind see of- that's why they care about each other when it's like um, yeah and it to just be fair, like a lot of unless like romance
1: is the main point and it still always feels so much shoehorned in and yeah. this is no exception to that like but there is a reason behind it like he did kind of want to put a somewhat of a ro- like almost like a tragic romance into this movie um heo miyazaki
0: yeah did I recognize that. I don't inherently agree with it. I think a lot of it to me is I feel like all the time people try to just put romance in every single movie when it really doesn't need them. Yeah. Like that's what bugs me here is you have this beautiful movie about a war on all sides and like man versus nature and what it takes to rule to like serve your people and what it's like to be stuck in the middle of something like this. I feel like trying to add a romance on top of that just was too much. Like, it's like you put the final card on your deck of cards and it just comes. Yeah. I shouldn't say it comes crumbling down, but like it kind of slid that card it, off. The it top. almost gets
1: lost in translation. Yeah.
0: So, yeah.
1: And, and in some ways I do kind of agree with you on this one, which I kind of get Cause like, you know, there is like that whole thing of like, you know, with people who are romantic, sometimes there is like love at first sight. And yeah. I mean, also, and like, you know, you have that too, but I, In a weird way, with this being one of the longest animated movies ever made, there's still not enough room for certain subplots to breathe. And this is definitely one of them. Like, if they had more time to develop it, maybe it could have worked better. But it still kind of felt shoehorned in for, like, why they work together in this. And, like, in some cases, they just have to work together. But in other cases in this movie, like, it just kind of shoehorned in that there's, like, a little bit of a romance in there.
0: Yeah, that's – yeah, ultimately, out of – there's very few things that really bug me about this movie, but that is kind that of is one of them. Yeah, because like if you just remove the like limited time that they try to make it seem romantic, it's just like a really beautiful friendship about like people with huge differences being able to come together for to certain... work for a, a singular cause. Yeah, yeah, like and like it more. I think a friendship more fits the neutrality that Ashitaka is supposed to be representing here, whereas like I think a Romance is much stronger of a thing than something like that which just. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm Ace. Uh, I've said it many times now, but like all that stuff, kind of is nothing to me at best and gross at worst. Yeah, and that's fair. And I know for some people,
1: it probably works a lot better too. But like mm-hmm. I, I've seen shoe, shoehorned in romances, this isn't the worst, but it's definitely not the best. Yeah. But anyways, but uh Salton oh, takes out
0: takes him to the uh, forest god to see if. The deer god would help him. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those things like, you know, he saved her life, so she's
1: going to try to repay the favor. And so, yeah, she takes him to the island of the deer god where all the four spirits are at. And, like, they're kind of seeing her and, like, hey, what are you doing kind of thing. Kind of Mm -hmm. their little childlike curiosity of everything that's going on around them. And she brings him to the island and then is talking to uh, Yakul the entire time, his deer. And saying like, oh, like I guess you're like you're free. You can yeah, do yeah whatever. you're free. You can do whatever you want. But he stays by his master no matter what. And like uh, during this time, it shows a lot of beautiful animation of just like uh, the Nightwalker turning into the Deer God. Yeah,
0: I love the design of the Nightwalker.
1: It, it's, it's really cool.
0: Like this weird, like it's like a galaxy in a fishbowl. Like I, that's the best way I would describe it. I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, during the night, it's the Nightwalker. Obviously, yeah. uh, when it's day, he becomes the deer god, and the most distinctive thing about the deer god is the deer god has an almost human face, has a human face with a beast body, but almost like the chicken feet. feet.
1: <laughs> yeah, with almost the feet of like a lizard or a chicken.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, and it fits obviously what they're going for yeah. is like it. And then also encompasses every animal.
1: Yeah, and then also like uh, the antlers are supposed to represent branches, if I remember correctly. Which uh. to me just kind of looks like. Um, like I, I grew up in a small town. I'll say that much. So I've seen deer walking around with antlers during the winter time. And a lot of times like felt will grow on the antlers. Hmm. Uh, and so like, sometimes you'll see that on them too, but that's what it almost looked like to me was like, almost like felt covered antlers, but they there's meant to represent kind of like the uh, branches of a tree yeah, on it. But like, it's, you know, almost
0: a, a chimera creature with this. Yeah. god, And there's like a really interesting design quirk with him. Every step he takes will grow a bunch of plants and then immediately kill them. Yeah. Almost making like splashes of, Nature, yeah, splashes of life, yeah, which is really interesting. Obviously, it goes into something we learn about him later, but um, the deer god does ultimately decide to heal Ashitaka, yeah, which I like the way that they did this one too because uh, she cut she cut down like a little tiny
1: tree, and when I say little tiny tree, like basically just not even a branch, almost like a vine, yeah, without growing out of the ground, and like plants it above his head to put it on the island, and it's almost like. The deer God kills the plant to heal the wound and save the man. Yeah. Almost. So it's kind of like – kind of almost goes into like that – what you'd see in um Full Metal Alchemist, which I haven't mm-hmm. watched a lot of that show. But I've watched enough of it to know that like one of the big themes of it is that you can't create something without taking something away. Yeah. And so it creates almost like a little like something dies so something else can live kind of. Th- and I did like a lot of the symbolism that goes along with that whole scene, which honestly like – it's hard to put into words how beautiful this scene is like the yeah. nature and like the night walker transforming into the deer God and like watching as like life grows are uh, within the path that he walks and everything. And like the whole sequence of him being healed and everything, it's a fascinating scene to watch. Yeah.
0: Uh, that is like, I've got to kind of skip through a bits of here. Like it's like him kind of getting better. Uh, the, village learning like the emperor saying oh hey you should uh kill the dear god for us yeah so the which, priest is kind of like convincing them to go to do that with uh, the samurai that they keep having to fight off right which you know kind of almost in a weird way makes sense like the hubris of an emperor just like yes i'd need
1: the i need the head of a god on my or over my dinner table while i eat
0: yeah iboshi even remarks like does the emperor think he's immortal yeah like does he think being the son of god grants him immortality i think is how she puts it Because for those who don't know, uh, in Japan, they do view the emperor as like from God. Yeah. It's not just like a a godlike figure. Yeah. No, like literally like from God. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, there's that. Uh, So it's a lot of that, them healing. Uh, You learn that the boars are going to kind of just give it one last chance because they're losing everything. So, like they're going to have like one last or one
1: final battle with the humans.
0: Yeah, cuz they say like even if even though we know we won't win, if we can destroy as many humans as we can, it would be worth something. Yeah. Instead of just letting them slowly like, dwindle us down. Yeah, instead of just becoming game for the humans, we're going to give them one final battle that they'll never forget. Yeah. Um I think something really interesting they do here too is like since it is mostly from Ashitaka's view, you kind of get like glimpses as he's awake and the final time he wakes up the battle's already like started a while back like right. he's he's starting randomly in this point of time well kind yeah because
1: uh he does make the comment of it feels like i've been asleep for days because like mm-hmm. during this time like even though the dear god has healed him at this point he healed the bullet wound but he left the death curse on him yeah which honestly kind of gives like a little bit of a beautiful scene there too ever like he's too weak to actually even feed himself and so like the princess has to bird feed him, which that seems a little bit weird. I'll give you that. But what I like about it the most is even though like, he's happy to be alive, he starts crying because he realizes he's still cursed to die yeah. at, during all that. And like, it's kind of like a, the power of animation in that scene shows the emotion of that scene without having a single word having to be said.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a powerful scene. Like, but that happens. And like you said, the whole thing
1: with the boars happened because the boars come and say that they're going to have their final bout with the humans. Yes. The wolves tell them they're done for doing that. And they say, we have no other choice. Uh the wolves bring Ashitaka back to their place. There's um I forgot the mother's name. Which uh, I guess another interesting thing since while I'm looking up this name is uh in Japanese culture, uh I guess when it comes to animations and stuff like that, uh cats are always voiced by women and uh wolves are or wolves and dogs are always voiced by men, no matter what. Oh. Which is why even though it's a mother character for the wolf, it's still done with a um with a man's voice uh
0: Moro. Did What's it? her name? Moro. Okay. Oh yeah, I didn't actually know that. I, I at some point they probably changed because I definitely know. I'm a pretty lot sure more. that they did change it eventually, but I know that like when it
1: came to traditional animation, that was always the rule. That's kind of interesting. Which is why uh, in the Japanese version, the Wolf Mother has a male doing her voice mm-hmm. because that was just a thing. Like men did are uh, yeah men did wolf voices, but in the American version, they got Jillian um, Anderson to do the voice, which is she's one of the are uh, one of the agents from X Men. Mm, not x-men
0: uh x-files mm-hmm. okay that makes sense. totally like, different <laughs> similar names you said totally that i different. agreed and then i immediately was like hmm, wait yes <laughs> wait wait hold on <laughs> i was like <laughs> which one storm what <laughs> but um yeah so uh, the battle has already started uh the opposing samurai while the men were away tried to overtake the village yeah but um as we Which, were saying, like, the women are very capable in this movie. They, they're they the ones who actually know how to fire guns, whereas right. the men actually don't. Yeah, and that's the thing is because, like, mo- the women do a lot of the iron smelting.
1: They do a lot of the weapon making. They do a lot of the fighting when it comes to mm-hmm. actual fighting. Some of the guards do some fighting, but as you can see throughout the movie, like, they're a little bit useless when it comes to fighting.
0: The guards are mostly just there for, like, visual protection. But the village can handle itself. So yeah. they're not too worried. But uh, they say, like, let Iboshi know. And as he goes, he goes to where, like, the main battle started. It kind of ended, actually. Yeah. It's Im- oh. it's implied that they're at the end of the boar fight when Akitasha finally gets there. Yeah,
1: because he goes there and there's just boar bodies, like, everywhere. Yeah. and Actually, hit-
0: this, these scenes remind me. There's something I feel like it's not explained at all. Akitasha could kind of see the future. I don't think it's so much that I think it's kind of showing that he has a connection to Princess Mononoke. Well, like like, the thing is, it shows him like knowing where to uncover uh, one of the wolf children, like not Mononoke. Like, when he knew where to, what boar had the wolf under it? So Like, he had, like, a vision of it. No, 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 he didn't have a vision. The wolf poked its head out, is what happened.
1: Is it? Okay, it was just right after the the vision. (laughs) The wolf, like, poked his head out, but he was covered by so many boars, he couldn't get himself out. And so, like, when he saw its head and saw it snarling, he was the first one to try to help it, while everyone else was like, hey, wolf, kill it.
0: Yeah, well, all the samurai were trying to stop... akitasha but since the village likes him actually yeah despite everything they and, like, fucking kill beat up the samurai
1: yeah which i think it shows a lot of like when it comes like the whole like everybody's fighting everybody with this whole yeah. scene too because like the samurai like the whole like the whole reason why iron town is actually being attacked is because like the samurai are like hey this place is actually worth something now now we want it yeah kind of thing and so like now you have human fighting human and then when it comes like between the boars and the apes and the wolves you have nature yeah. fighting nature in a lot of these cases too and it it's honestly powerful with like a lot of this, the scenery that it happens with this one. And like, this is one of the few times you get um, them helping each other out. Whenever this, wolf, whenever he's trying to get this wolf out and like uh, letting the men know, like I have to go back to help defend a village. I need to find Lady Eboshi. This wolf is going to help me find Lady Eboshi. Like help me get this wolf out. And the samurai are just like, no, nah, we're going to do our own thing.
0: Yeah. But um, he gets the wolf and uh, they eventually find out what was going. Cause uh, San's thing is uh, the, now the head boar, Okato uh, is blind. Yeah. Well, he's been blind. Yeah. But he's um, been blind. But like that's a very... I, I
1: guess like one major thing that we kind of overlooked because like we're not trying to say like the whole story. Like this is yeah. honestly a movie definitely worth watching. Even just like the yeah. visuals and music is a lot. But like we're you know going through way we've been in spoiler territory for a while. Yeah. Now.
0: <laughs> I, I, I think you kind of can't not be in spoiler territory for this. That's movie. fair. Because like I said, it's not a traditional storytelling. Right. But uh, yeah, and, there's like, a... but uh, anyways, like whenever
1: they were preparing for the battle, like whenever uh, like Akitasha is fi- finding out about all this afterwards, he end up finding out that like with the battle, uh, that they are using this weird kind of smoke to kind of dull the senses of the boars and the wolves and everything, yeah. so they can't can use their sense of smell. Which uh, because the main boar is so old that he's blind at this point. Uh, he just uses his sense of smell to yeah. kind of guide his way so through. So Son the force had to actually and, help yeah, him. Yeah, she had to help guide him through the battle, so he wouldn't just like run headfirst and die
0: automatically. Yeah, but um, he is on his dying breath, and she's trying to guide him back to the deer gods.
1: Yeah, and and the hope that the deer god will help him because yeah. I guess one thing that they have said at this point in time is that uh, the thing about the deer god is that he's the god of life and death. Right. So he chooses who lives and who dies kind of thing and so she brings him cuz like you know he's going to die if he doesn't go to the deer god but if he goes to him there's a small chance that the deer god will yeah. take mercy on him and let him live.
0: Um and uh at this time we also learn a lot of the samurai group are wearing boar so, pelts yeah, uh, they're covering s- themselves in the blood too, And as yeah they are say that there's
1: they have a specialist coming from the empire so they have these uh, specialist hunters that are covering themselves in boar blood and then using the skins of the boars to hide themselves from, uh, from this, the new yeah. main boar, the blind one, um, Okoto. Yeah. Since he can't see, he can't see, you know, that it's just men hiding under boar suits. He, uh, but he smells them and he thinks like, my brothers have come back from the dead. Like let's yeah. go to the deer God and tries to use the last of his strength to
0: get there, which doesn't help. It just ends up turning him into a demon on the way over. Yeah. There. And it's a, a powerful scene watching him slowly become a demon too, because it's like him losing. I don't want to say humanity, obviously, because they're not. There's a very big point about humans and nature right. being very different, but like, but yeah, losing the sense of self, right. I guess. Where I was like, he. You kind of see a sentient creature turning into a feral beast, yeah. In a way. And like, uh, Son really wants to help him as she starts seeing the demons, like the again the like worm serpent things. Sprouting out of him. She's trying to like keep him off, but eventually gets engulfed herself. Right. Ashitaka is figures out where she is and like gets over yeah. there.
1: Well, uh one of her wolf siblings was with her during yeah, this yeah, time yeah. and said, like, you know, go get our go find our go find Moro, our mother. She'll know what to do. And uh, Ashitaka is with the other wolf that got lost in during the battle and they call back and forth to each other to say like where everyone is. And Ashitaka f- ends up finding his way to San.
0: Yeah, so it's, like, this final thing at the edge of the lake that has been kind of the center point. And uh, Ashitaka is trying to get Sawn out of the boar at this point. Yeah, trying to, uh,
1: trying to release her from these kind of demon spawns are sprouting out of him. Yeah,
0: and Moro was actually there at the edge of the lake, too. Yeah. And, uh, and well, presumably dead, but she's like, ah, oh, well, I wanted to use my last, the last of my strength to fight Lady Eboshi. Yeah. But I need
1: to save my daughter at this point. And, um, which I think it's one of those things because they knew Lady Boshi was going to go there because I think at this point the they found out that uh, they basically want uh, the
0: emperor wanted to hire Lady Boshi to kill the Deer God. Yeah, I don't think it was her in particular. I think well the I, priest kind of saw a mutual agreement. I think it was just yeah. an open kind of. Well, yeah, and that's the thing because like whenever
1: he sees her earlier on in the movie, uh, it's more or less like, hey, this is what the emperor wants, and like it's within your favor to do this because like yeah. if you help the emperor out, then he'll get the samurai off of your back uh, when it comes to your iron yeah. melt, and so like. This helps us both. This is a mutual agreement.
0: But yeah, so Iboshi's there. Obviously, she has the power of guns. Uh, as like the demons are taking over, uh, the Deer God shows up and goes over, and the demons actually start melting right out of it. So like Moro can pull Son out and. Uh, ashitaka can like pull her into the lake i guess yeah i <laughs> it's mean the like, most pu- i can say i is think because, it's implied it's kind of purifying
1: yeah i was gonna say it's almost kind of like holy water of the deer god yeah um
0: which is a weird sentence to say but it kind of makes sense in the context of this movie so the deer god goes over to the boar and the and um, o- okato and moro and like comes up to them and touches them and they both die right there yeah he granted them death ultimately
1: which in a weird way kind of felt like a mercy
0: killing for both of them yeah um and but as this is happening uh eboshi actually shoots the deer god in the head but he's not really unfazed it showed that he was like taken aback by it but yeah didn't care kind of surprised yeah yeah. But as this happens, uh you notice the moon up in the sky. Yeah. Which means it's time for the deer god to turn into a night walker. Which this is ultimately Iboshi uh, Lady Iboshi's shot. Yeah. Like she recognizes where to shoot now, and as it's transforming, she's trying to shoot in like Ashitaka stops it by throwing his sword into the musket. Into the the hilt of the musket, telling
1: her to, like, please just stop.
0: Yeah, but she's still going anyways. And as she's about to fire, the deer god actually encompasses the gun in, like, flowers, preventing it from firing. Yeah. And you're like, cool. Like, oh, cool. Like, everything's good. But Iboshi, like, yeah, she just, like, gets all the flowers off and then shoots. Yeah. The deer god is shot and his head comes off. And, like, uh, it's an insane scene, especially, yeah. like, if you are if you grow up on a lot of American movies, this is a very uncommon kind of thing to see, yeah. I would say. Like, it is very much a holy shit kind of starting at the climax. Yeah. Because, like,
1: the head comes off and she's able to grab the, the head, but, like, black ooze starts to ooze out of the body and, like, consume the forest around it. Yeah, them.
0: and you, like, watch as it touches the forest. The forest is slowly dying. Uh, she gives the head to the priest and some dudes because the emperor wanted the head of the god. Yeah. And as she's like standing there, the head of Moro comes and like chomps off half her body. Yeah. Which is kind of like a weird throwaway line they said earlier. Yeah. They're, they're like, like, oh, the like, head of a wolf. Yeah. Like can be, still. Yeah. Fight. Be careful because a, a severed head's wolf can still bite. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a dumb saying. Maybe it's an actual saying in Japan. If Maybe. so, I'm sorry. Like I said, like
1: <laughs> the closest that I've ever heard to that saying before is, like, um, uh, you can cut the head off a snake, but there's still venom in it. Yeah. Like, I've heard that before, but, like, I've never heard, like, a, a severed head, or, yeah, a severed wolf's head can still bite. I've never heard that
0: like, one. I guess the idea is, like, even if you cut the head off, like, obviously the mouth can still close. Right. But, like, I don't know. It's just I, a weird saying. I, um, I think it's just, like, a kind of keep your guard up kind of Yeah, sound, obviously. But. Uh, Yeah, most of the stuff is, like, there, and then they're kind of, like, uh ashitaka is like you gotta got, you guys gotta get fucking out of here yeah but like they gather up the head and like a bunch of men die trying to gather this head
1: because yeah. like if you touch this black ooze coming out of the dear god's body it yeah. just immediately like you just die immediately yeah like there's no like death scream or anything you just fall and dead
0: yeah so it's a lot of that uh there's like a I'm going to say it's kind of a throwaway scene where, like, uh, San's very angry at yeah. Akitasha or Ashitaka. I don't for know like if it's so much a throwaway seconds. scene.
1: I think it's more or less of just like, it feels like all hope is gone kind of scene. I, and, like,
0: I kind of get that. It just, like, it it harkens back to, like, the supposed fake, supposed romance they're supposed to have more than that to me. I feel like it was supposed to be like, oh, they're so mad at each other now and they got to make, but they got to make up. Cause, I say throwaway because, like, it lasts, like, a minute, yeah, ultimately. I, I don't think it's so much a throwaway
1: scene. I think this is more or less of her saying, like, all hope is gone. Like, we lost. And him saying, like, we're still alive. Like, there's still hope. Like, we we can still fight as long as, like, there's breath in our lungs. Like, that's the way that I took this. It's it's not as impactful, but it's kind of the same kind of scene as you would see in... I think it was the two towers whenever Sam says, like, that they're still good in this world and it's worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. It's similar to those two scenes. It's just done differently in here. I think this was... Ashitaka's way of telling San that, like, we can still do something. Yeah. Like, not all hope is lost at this point.
0: I get that. I don't know. It just feels kind of weird. Because, like, I think what makes it weird to me is, like, there's clearly, like, a time crunch now. Yeah. So, like, it's that. And they, like, go back to the village to drop off Ib- Iboshi. And they're like, oh, we got to find the head. And it's like, oh, they're over there. We got to get over there. Also, like, all the samurai getting fucked because, like, the ooze is showing up over the mountain. and it's- Yeah, like, it's
1: just... <laughs> It's almost like a tidal wave of lava coming after them. Yeah. But it's, like, black and viscous, like, tar.
0: Yeah, and, like, uh Ashitaka's like, you guys got to get in the fucking lake. They can't yeah, go in cause- the lake, because that's how it works, because yeah. it's... <laughs> uh, but it's yeah. force magic. Don't question it. <laughs> so, like, ultimately, they catch up to the priest, and Akitasha's like, you got to just fucking give it its head back, dude. Yeah. And he's like, he's- it's too... The priest's like, it's fucking too late. Why don't we just wait for the sun? And he's like, no, you got, you're got a fucking like, asshole. Give the head back. Yeah.
1: That's more or less how that goes. Yeah. He's, like, <laughs> he's like, listen, everything around you is dying right now. Just give it its head back. He's like, yeah. no. Like, no. Like, you're literally going to sacrifice everybody else just for this head. Give it back.
0: No. Yeah. There's, like, a line where he's saying, like, we can't do it for you. You have to willingly give the head back. Right. Which I kind of get, but at the well, same time, after he opens it, it's Son and Akita, uh, Akita, Ashitaka who give the head yeah. still. still. Like. Well, I think it's because it's
1: going to take it no matter what kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think it's so much like it has to be like it has to be willingly given back to it. But like also like like he's saying, please, willingly give it back to us. Like because he does also say, I don't want to have to kill you throughout this entire movie. He's never wanted to fight. Every single fight he's been into has been like he had to fight. Yeah. Which, I guess another thing, he did kill, like, three other people yeah. uh, while the samurai were chasing after His him, His track
0: too, but... record for not killing people isn't the best. but you It's know, not the trying. best, but,
1: like, it's literally, like, he was telling them, please <laughs> leave me alone. And, like, they will, they just keep oh, on yeah, attacking an him. Oh, yeah, there's
0: amazing scene after, like, so, like, one guy with a sword and one guy with a bow are, like, riding horses up to him. And And he he, shoots one arrow, or no, he tells him stay back, and the guy draws his sword, so he shoots an arrow at the guy, and his
1: head comes lobbed off of his body, and the other guy goes, nope, and turns around. Yeah, the other guy just
0: turns around and leaves. It's great. Like, that's the most sensible guy in this movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) He's like, like, if I saw that, I would also be like, all right, (laughs) yep, I'm done. Uh, But yeah, so they give the head back. Uh, There's a cool thing shown here. Uh, I guess the head just kind of oozes, like the visceral goo. And as they raise it, the goo's, like, getting on them, and it's cursing their skin, similar to what the other stuff does. Yeah, uh, similar to the curse
1: that Akitasha has this entire time, which started off at his forearm at the beginning of this movie and is now, like, around his his torso and chest and everything. Like, it's consuming his body at this point.
0: Yeah. They return the head to the deer god, and then the deer god accepts, and uh, in his final thing, he kind of, like, encompasses everything, causing life yeah, like, to so sprout. yeah
1: because uh the sun rises and he like he has his head back he's now complete but he's now the night walker in the air in the daylight mm-hmm. is the problem and so in a weird last ditch effort for almost like a favor to humanity for as a thank you to them he kind of falls to the ground and then like encompasses the earth around him yeah. and like you get this really beautiful scene of like what was death and destruction and fire and brimstone turned back into nature like with like trees and flowers and grass yeah. growing. If you've ever everywhere. seen
0: like those things of like an abandoned town that eventually got like overgrown with moss and flowers and stuff, it's like one of those. Yeah. Even like their city was like being destroyed at by the Nightwalker, but it's like overgrown with flower plants now, and it's yeah. obviously they can't use that city like it was, but like it signifies the change, right? So, it yeah, it's it's a beautiful scene at the end. Uh, it Also, a- but, Aki ta- uh, Ashitaka and San are cured immediately of their curse. Everyone's cured yeah. of everything. Well,
1: it's one of those things that they say, too, is that um, in that secret garden that Lady Ibashi had, uh, it kind of it it says it without saying it. You just kind of have to piece it together a little bit. But the men that are in there making those guns also have the same curse that Akitasha has, which is, yeah. I think, the reason why she shows him those people, which uh, there was a, a long theory for a while that wasn't really confirmed by... Uh, Miyazaki? Yeah, Miyazaki until probably, like, 2016, where he finally said, like, all right, you got me on this one, is that a lot of it was actually... Like, a lot of, like, the curse that Akitashi had and, like, a, the rest of the villagers that were hidden from the uh, everybody else was supposed to be kind of a symbolism for leprosy mm. of this. And so, like, the thing about that, though, is, like, uh, it's cured on Sans and Akitasha, but also you you have to be paying attention to the background to see yeah. it, but the people who were once covered in bandages, like start taking off their bandages and realizing that their skin is cured. Now the deer God basically kind of sacrificed himself to save both nature and humanity in this weird yeah. way.
0: And in the final scene, uh, Aki, Ashitaka is there with San and she's like, it's over the deer God's dead. And he's like, well, the deer God was the God of life and death. So in a way like, he's still always going to be there. Yeah. He's, has this after effect of just like nothing was really
1: solved, but everybody still has to go on living uh, yeah. with what has happened around them.
0: And like, this is a, I wouldn't say this bugs me, like from a movie perspective, more just kind of like it kind of is funny to me. By being neutral, Ashitaka kind of let the, the humans get away with everything. Kind of, yeah. Like, all that, like, if you look at nature, what Slaan has a couple of her brothers left and that nature took over. Although the yeah. humans are all well, the humans that caused even, everything bad are still there. Yeah. She even does say though,
1: like, uh, like nature has returned, but this still isn't the forest of the forest. Of yeah. The, of the deer God. God. So like, <laughs> it, it, it's still not the same. And like it, apparently like this last scene is something that the, he really wanted, like why he even put in the love story to begin with mm. is her saying, or uh, that senior says like, I love you, but I can never forgive the humans for what they did. And him I don't saying, remember. <laughs> saying that honestly. it happens like the very end, whenever she's like getting on the wolf and like they're saying their final goodbyes, and he's saying like I'll stay with the people of Iron Town. You can go back to your, or you can go back to your wolf clan, and maybe we'll see each other uh, every now and again. Hmm. And like having, again, like, I still scene, think
0: that's like a weak reason to have a love interest. Yeah, like, that scene works really well if you're just looking at a perspective of they were very like idealistically different. But had to come together for the cause, and now that the cause is over, while they have a mutual respect for each other, she ultimately can't forgive what happened here. And they still have that,
1: but it is, like I said, it is a little bit shoehorned in, but I think it's one of those things is just, like, I think it also is one of those rare movies that shows, like, even if you are in love with somebody, sometimes love just isn't enough. To like make yeah, it work. I think that's somewhat fair. I think there
0: should be another movie to explore that
1: better. Yeah, and like I said, when it comes to romantic themes like that, usually when romance is the main subject of the movie, it does it better. But with this one, there there's a lot going on with this yeah. movie. And like I said, in a weird way, it's almost not long enough because of how much themes that there are kind of like thrown into here. And like, and another thing about it, the scenes that are left to breathe are done. Beautifully in this movie, honestly, there's so many
0: scenes that are just Ashitaka taking in what he taking in nature, yeah, and like there's no music. You can like hear kind of the humming of the bugs, yeah, and that's it, and it's beautiful, like in it. It needs to be there. I almost wonder. I almost want to check the dub to see if they try to add music to that. I know. I've heard that there was were a, a couple scenes wherever they did have music, even in the Japanese version of this. Yeah. but they probably did
1: with the uh, American dubbed version. Well, I
0: just asked that because there was like notoriously, I think some of the Ghibli dubs that Disney did added music where there originally wasn't any music. Yeah, and they that were, wouldn't surprise me either if they did that yeah, for the English dubs. They specifically noted that uh, American audiences are more uncomfortable when there isn't music. Right which I don't know if that's still true actually. I feel like there's a lot less music in movies than than there used to be. It used to be, yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think it's because people are c- becoming more comfortable with sitting in silence if the scene demands it.
0: Yeah. But um but yeah, like yeah, it's a cool I I kind of agree with you on it. I wish you had more time to explore some stuff cuz something I feel like unfortunately cuz it's the climax I really want to see like ashitaka having to live with the choices he made yeah ultimately because like by being neutral he allowed such hardships to endure and like ultimately despite trying to be neutral and succeeding in a lot of ways he did ultimately side with the humans by claiming neutrality and something that is a war yeah and like a lot of that so obviously there's other movies to explore this i'm not saying this movie needed to have themes of that i just feel like that's a really interesting thing to think about of like yeah and i think that's in a weird way leaving the ending ambiguous ambiguous
1: thank you like that kind of helps it in a weird way because like the story isn't over with at the ending of this movie like you know there's still like will the village even accept him to come back like chances are that they will because like he saved lady eboshi even though like he was fighting against them at some points in time too. And like, maybe he can help them rebuild this village. Maybe the force can like learn to uh, grow back a bit. And like, maybe humans and nature can learn to uh, live with each other. Maybe they can't, but like, you don't know because there's so many open-ended things of this, which is very purposeful for the ending of this though, because in interviews with Miyazaki, he actually did also say like, these are complex issues. These are complex questions. And I'm not here to answer them. I'm just here to bring light to uh, what's happening in our world around us. Because, like, a lot of this is, you know, very... He's not trying to hide about, like, how much he dislikes industrialism. Yeah, Miyazaki
0: is definitely very opposed to modernism in a lot of that way.
1: Yeah, and, like, he's not trying to hide that he is either with this movie. Like, he's very much showing that, like, like, with the rise of industrialism kind of led to the death of nature. And the death of, in a weird way, like... uh, Especially in Japan, because like as modernism started to grow more, uh things like religions like Shotoism like started to die out and so like in yeah. a weird way modernism was a death of the gods. And like I said, it deals with very complex issues and he's not trying to answer him. He's more or less showing you these and saying, What do you think is the answer?
0: Yeah. I think it's very important what he did because ultimately he's not telling you what to think. I think he gave enough leeway with each character where like even if you disagree with a lot of, like, Lady Eboshi is a really cool character, but I don't agree with what she was doing. Right, ultimately, like, I I would view, side with Miyazaki about like her rampant destruction of the forest ultimately led to what happened here. Right, whereas like a lot, you can still see why she did that. Like, she had people to take care of. Like, right, she couldn't just let all those people die. They were under her, and you can say like, what are the causes of her anguish. Like, she constantly has to protect him from the samurai and the emperor. And, like, ultimately, killing the deer god was because she needed the protection of her people. Right. And, like, again, I don't agree with her. And, like, I think she deserves a lot of what she got in the end. Some Maybe would probably even, even say worse. Yeah, I feel like she might deserve worse, obviously. But, like, uh, there's a lot of stuff like that. And, like, I Which, think you uh, there's a lot you can take from this movie. Exactly. And I think...
1: That's honestly to the movie's credit. Yeah.
0: As much as, like, I talk about... I'm curious about a lot of the stuff of that and saying, like, I think a lot of the neutrality that a- Ashitaka tried to say ultimately ended up siding with one side more than he really initially... Think. Again, yeah. I think that's more, like, about discussing the movie and its morals rather than saying, like, oh, well, the movie tried to say it was neutral, but this happened and this happened. Like, I don't right. think that's... I think inherently that a lot of the... There probably was a lot of purpose to a lot of that stuff. So, um, yeah. But uh, that is Princess Mononoke. Princess Mononoke. Uh, very surprising in a lot of ways that I haven't seen it before. Uh, I think this is one... People definitely put this in their top uh, Ghibli movies, I would say. Oh, yeah. Def- uh, this and Spirited Away are usually
1: the two movies that people talk about when they talk about uh, Ghibli movies. Yeah. and Which is kind of funny because, like I said, this movie was very much the end of an era, like I had said before. And to go on to that, um, I guess this movie was in production for about four years, cost $23 million to yeah. make, which at the time was the most expensive animated uh, Japanese animated movie ever made. I'd and there was so much like it was so stressful on the director and everything. I guess like like I said, this is done with like the plastic color cells yeah, and everything. Cells. And um, one of the last movies to do that, it had uh, 144,000 individual cells for this movie. And they still actually use CGI in a couple of scenes. Yeah, you
0: could definitely tell. Yeah.
1: And I guess Miyazaki personally either drew or retouched up on at least 80,000 of them. I would not be surprised. Um, Miyazaki is
0: fucking insane. Yeah.
1: And he was saying that the whole process was so stressful that if this movie was not successful, he was going to retire.
0: Okay, I'm going to be real. Miyazaki literally always says he's going to retire every single time he ever It actually started with released. this movie. That this is the first doing. time he threatened yeah. he was going to retire. He's,
1: yeah, this is the first time <laughs> that he threatened to actually retire. If he, he said if this did not do well, he was going to retire. Yeah. And it actually goes with like a, one of his speeches that I really, really loved about this movie. But um, let's see if I can find that
0: speech really quick because yeah. found that while I, just, I was w- doing notes. While you look for that, um, I'll, uh, I'll get like, our final thoughts around a lot of this. Uh. This is this movie is very beautiful, both visually and with what it's telling. Yeah. I think there's a reason that this movie resonates so much for people, especially, like, when it came out, uh, early 2000s, late 90s, very, very big thing for, like, industrialism starting to right. take over again. And um, in a lot of ways, I think that's why people love this movie. Obviously, it has a little bit for everyone. Like if you just like cool action, there's a lot of cool action in this movie. Yeah. Um, but there's also deeper messages hidden yeah. within this movie too. I think I think this is a perfect movie for like when you were young when you watched it where you can like be like, "Oh, that's really cool and like there's a lot of cool stuff." And then as you get older, you start reflecting on what this movie is trying to say. Yeah. So, I think that's very beautiful. Um, I I think the romance is dumb. I think <laughs> it is exemplary of just shoving in a romance to a movie that doesn't need one in the slightest. Uh I think those two work way better as just a friendship. <laughs> but um yeah, this movie's beautiful. It's not it's not my favorite Ghibli movie. I think I would still give that to Spirited Away. Fair. Spirited Away probably is just one of my favorite movies of all time when I think about it. But like this is a great movie. I think I think I would give this an 8 personally. Okay. Uh, before I give my rating, oh, yeah. the thing I
1: was going to say about him is during an interview when they asked him about the violence and complex themes of this, because like, they had never seen anything like this from a Ghibli R movie because they expected kind of more of a kid's movie, like you know Kiki's Delivery Service or Tortos, the two movies he kept on comparing it to. And when they asked him about the violence and the complex themes, he responded with, We've made many films which encourage children to be bright and hopeful. We've been making films to cheer them up and support them. But given the reality that, that they encounter, the su- that support just isn't enough. They instinctively understand the problem. Where is the world headed? Are humans doing the right thing? Or unless we address those questions directly, our encouragement is useless. Because we're not addressing the real issues. So even though we had to step outside the boundaries of entertainment, we had to make this movie or forfeit the right to make any more.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a very important thing when you discuss because i, I you probably met people like this like people who refuse to like watch sad movies or like right movies are that refu- really make you think yeah or oh.
1: re- really refuse to even
0: like just think of hard subjects sometimes sometimes yeah.
1: during just like random conversations they will bring up harder subjects to talk about and some people they just some people are like oh that's uncomfortable but or they'll just re- straight up say like i can't talk about that
0: yeah and um I recognize why that happens. Ultimately, as humans, we don't want to be uncomfortable. That's just right. kind of evolutionary in a way. But um, I think it is very important, especially for the demographic. I, I would say this is probably aimed at teenagers, roughly. Yeah, this is more aimed towards, like, teenagers and
1: adults. But he says, like, if children watched it, like, he knew that young children shouldn't watch this. But he knew that younger that, that some young children still might. But he mm-hmm. said that, like, he didn't want to talk down to them about a lot yeah. of these things, too. and. To me, that was to the credit of this movie. Like, yeah. this was one of the first times I think I watched a movie that felt like it was still made for me, but it didn't talk down to me at the same time.
0: Yeah. It's the thing. Children aren't stupid. Yeah. Like, they understand when they're being talked down to. They'll accept it, because that's just kind of what like, they're told. Is they just, uh, That's their understanding of the world, is you just have to accept that. But, like, they... If you ever talk to a child about like something, they're way smarter than anyone will ever give them credit for. Right, and uh, like you can take this movie because this movie is very like serious in a lot of ways of what it discusses, but it's still in an easily digestible way. Right, because like it it goes past the thing of like. If Lady Eboshi was just like a cackling maniacal villain, right, wanting to take over all of the land, yeah, this is my world to do, to rule over, bang kind bang, of the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, it's not as complex as some things even Ghibli would later do. But like you said, this is more of a stepping stone in Ghibli's right. history. So, and like you yeah. said,
1: he he wasn't sure if it was the right move to make, but apparently it was. Like this movie won ton of awards. Mm-hmm. Like it won best. It was the first animated feature in Japan to win uh, the best picture award uh it actually i think this is kind of a funny thing apparently et from 1982 to 1997 was the top grossing movie ever made or ever in japan uh, in japan until princess mononoke came out and it edged over and became the top grossing movie
0: for a couple of months until titanic came out <laughs> it's like always funny to think about how much like american movies actually came out oh, in yeah. japan but it, uh, probably because in america many foreign movies did not come out in right. America but But, anyways uh
1: when it comes like i said with seeing this like this was a complicated story for me to try to digest as a child and like think about like you know where is my role in our in humanity and like what like am i destroying nature by doing what i think is right for man and things like that and it was a complex story i felt like as a even as a kid i felt like i needed to see because there are no true heroes or villains in this just people trying to survive in a weird way and like no one's really doing the right or wrong thing. They're just doing what they think is the right or wrong thing for the people around them. And it is a very complex movie that leaves you with a lot of questions that are hard to answer, but it's stuff you have to ask yourself every now and then. And it's done in a very vividly beautiful Mm. way. Like for how destructive and dark this movie is, it is also bright and beautiful in a lot of scenes too. And, It's done very, very well. And, like, for the longest time, this was probably my favorite movie ever. And, like, as an adult, I can see, like, there are scenes where, like, you know, things are shoehorned in. There's certain subjects that are said to, like, that are done and over with too fast and, like, need more time to breathe. And, like, you know, just, it's not perfect, but goddamn, is it a gorgeous movie. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think because this is such a nostalgia trip, as long as, like, an important movie to watch, I'd say
0: this is a nine out of 10 for me. Yeah. Well. That is our two opinions on uh yeah. Uh if you guys want to get a hold of us, you can follow you can check out our link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E slash L I P, which will give you links to all our social medias and listen medias. Uh it has our Twitch, which every week we stream twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Uh Saturdays, uh for this week and next week, well, this week and last week when you hear this uh <laughs> yeah. are just going to be me and Robbie we're playing some video games and uh the similar this week and last week are going to be just me on Wednesdays probably with someone else just not Jariah. Uh, maybe D yeah maybe D we'll see um but ultimately yeah this is a very uh interesting time for us <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh and we have all the social medias you guys can follow that will give you updates when we're dropping stuff. And uh, if you want to just send us an email, that would be the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. The last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Uh, send us your deers. Ooh. <laughs> or deer, sorry, that's already plural. Sure. One or the other. But that also being said,
1: um uh, Make sure to be kind to of one another and make sure to be safe. And whether this is the very first time you've listened to us or you've been since the very beginning, thank you for listening. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like you said, we stream on Twitch on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Uh, every Thursday is our upload schedule for this podcast. Uh, thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. We pronounced it both ways. You can't yell at us. <laughs>